Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Tailgating. Tailgates. Yeah, tailgating's always a blast. Yeah! It's time to start your Raider football day with the morning tailgate with your hosts, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang on Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back to the second hour of the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio. Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang with the day off. We'll set to join her tomorrow here on R&R 920. 69187 is the Salmon text line. And we're broadcast live out of the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Vinny, Clay, and joining us now, it's Eddie. Eddie Borsilli from Sirius XM and his own Raider show, Yards Per Attempt. Follow on Twitter at Borsilli. And he's here with us on Wednesdays at this time. Eddie, good morning to you, and thank you so much for joining us. So what is this great that, you know, a guy like Ndamukong Sue as a free agent can appear as a guest on NFL Live and pretty much just got to, like, go write his own destination of where he wants to go. But, you know, he guess he left the kind of door open for a possible, uh, you know, uh, relationship with the Raiders. Is he the right fit, though? Uh, what do you think about Sue at this time of the year and at this day and age? First of all, Sue's on my on my bad list. He could have went on Sirius XM NFL Radio and said the same thing. But I get it. He wants to go on sure. TV. Get his, get his face out there. No, but look, he, he's in a great position right now, guys, right? He could do basically whatever he wants. He's not going to go to training camp. He's not going to go to these mandatory mini camps. He's a, he's a veteran. He doesn't need the reps anymore. So he can kind of just sit back and see where the market plays. He doesn't need to rush to sign anywhere. He's, he's not a guy that needs to prove himself. He can literally come in two weeks before the season starts and probably fit in most offensive schemes. I've been talking to a couple people around the league. And, you know, the, the question that I have is the fit in the Patrick Graham defense. Now, I, I, I'm always a proponent of coaching guys, you know, not putting players in position to succeed, not putting them in your system trying to make it work. So I think ultimately it would be a fit, and I think, you know, Indama is such a great player that it would be okay. We just got to figure out what he wants to do. It's all, like I said, guys, it's going to come down to the highest bidder. He wants to get paid. He's, he's coming down to the latter part of his career. He wants another payday. He wants another Super Bowl ring. It's probably going to come down to that. So I think the Raiders are definitely in the mix. You know, I've seen that picture of him you know, when he's younger when in, the, in the Raider starter jacket floating around. Uh, I think he said all the right things. It's going to come down to money, guys, at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't get the feeling that the Raiders um, have mutual interest uh, in, in in Sue, and I don't. I can't. I, I haven't been able to quite figure out if it's because of the fit. He's only played in the three four defense one time. That was with the Rams. They did go to the Super Bowl. He didn't have the greatest year, and it was five yep. years ago, uh, right? Two thousand and eighteen. Yep. Um, so it, it was. It was a long time ago in uh, in a football sense. Um, so I don't. I don't. I don't get that the Raiders are are feeling Sue as much as Sue might be feeling um, the Raiders. Uh, but if it is a money issue, and and that's why there's disinterest right now, um, let me ask you this, Eddie: uh, if you're if you're if you're Sue, uh, what's your asking price, and then what are you um, okay with taking uh, to play a year in Las Vegas or anywhere for that matter? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, Vinny. I mean, like you know, you got to factor in all the, all the things that factor in Vegas and those state taxes. You know, he played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Florida, a, a similar state with such, you know, things that, that affect the contract. But 
I don't think he's going anywhere for anything under, I would say, 10, 10 is probably the floor, guys. I'd say 10 for a year. Ooh, I would say he's probably, looking, he's probably looking for a little bit more, to be honest. I mean, look, he's been a, a, like I said, he's a guy that doesn't miss football games. I know he's not the 10, 12 sack guy, but he brings that presence on the inside. So I think, look, you could, you could shape the contract any way you want. It doesn't have to be 10 fully guaranteed. It could be 10 with incentives or something like that. I think that's what he's going to be looking for because I think that once the season gets closer, you know, people are going to be looking for that nasty presence on the inside. That There are not too many guys that can line up and do what he does. And you know, I'm not trying to you know, overstep here and say that he's you know, one of the greatest players in the NFL, but he does his job very well, and he doesn't miss football games. So I, I, I don't think he's going to accept anything less than what he has in his mind. I don't think he's going to get crazy with the money because he'll price himself out. But I, <clears throat> I could see you know, 10 kind of being the floor with incentives, maybe a, you know, a pro bowl or games played. He'll hit that games played incentive real quick, or if it's, you know, whatever, wherever, however you want to structure the contract. But I think he's going to put that value on himself, especially, you guys know this, as guys get later in their career, you know, you don't, there's not that many more paydays. I know he's made a boatload of money, but, I, you know, I, I, I set the floor at $10 million. I think maybe the max probably like 12, 13 when you come down to it. And it's a lot of money for a player like that. That's not going to get you 12 to 13 sacks in the interior. But if, if a piece, if a team thinks he's the final piece of the puzzle on a defense, Someone's going to pay that price. Yeah, someone will. I don't think that the the, the Raiders would, would would go that high uh, for for, for I various. Really reasons. I, I, yeah, honestly, I, I, you know, if it was me, I'd allocate those resources somewhere else. I yeah. think there's other other needs on this football team. You know, secondary, offensive line. I think you allocate those. It's look. It, it's it's a sexy name. It's a guy that would, would would look good in the silver and black, like most players do. But you know, I I honestly <laughs> allocate that money elsewhere because I think there's there's other places on this team. You know, we talked about James Bradbury on the show a couple right. of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. There, you know, there, there's the cornerback need. There's, to me, there's a safety need. There's an offensive line need. Like, there's going to be things that come up. And then, you know, once we get mandatory mini camps, then we go to training camp. There, there could be an injury along the way that really sets this team back. So I don't, I don't think going out there and giving Indomitian Sue ten, eleven million dollars is probably the smartest play. Is he the final piece to get you to the Super Bowl? He may be. But uh, you know, I'd be I'd be willing to gamble that I'd rather you know get signed two players with that money instead of Indomitian Sue for one. Yeah, and I think that you're speaking um, the language of Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels right now. I don't get the sense, uh, and I say that, say this pretty confidently. I don't think that they're into names or things like that. They're into how do you help? What kind of season are you coming off with? Uh, coming off uh, of um, and and uh, are are you going to be able to to slide in and fit in and all those types of things? And it is kind of dubious right now uh, on suit. Things can change. Uh, and there's no question about it. Uh, that said, if they don't bring in a in in Dominican Sue. Uh, where do you fall on on the defensive line? I think that they want to give these young players, you know, behind uh, the, the established starters. I think that's going to be uh, you know Nicholas Belil, uh Jonathan Hankins, obviously Max Crosby, and uh, and, and Chandler Jones are going to be basically your be your front four. But behind them, uh, Neil Farrell and guys like that. I think they want to see what they have in those young players. I agree. I honestly agree. Too. I think that's why you bring in so many. I think if they thought that the, the depth wasn't there. Maybe you bring in a starter and then kind of maybe go out of it. But, I mean, they got so many guys. You know, don't forget about a guy like Andrew Billings, who is a really good run stopper yeah. when he's on the football field. They got guys, you know, Vernon Butler, who's got some untapped potential. And you got, you just got so many players. Now, we had the conversation last week about not relying on young players, but this is not really relying on young players. No. Let's, let's hope that some of these young guys, or let's hope that Vernon Butler, it clicks in his head and he becomes dominant on the inside. Let's hope that... 
Andrew Billings could replace Jonathan Hankins as the run stuffer on this defensive line. I, I don't think that this this the defensive line is a need for the football team. Now, I did throw it out there last last week about a potential friend of the pass rusher. I just don't think you could have. I know it's super cliche to say it, but I just don't think you could never have enough guys that can get after the quarterback. So I wouldn't say interior defensive line. I think they're set there. I think you go to training camp as that. That position will be a battle with a lot of the young guys and see who kind of stands out. And, you know, I wouldn't put a pass them to bring in a pass rusher over some of the defensive line. Defensive line, as it looks right now, should be a strength for the football team, as opposed to, I keep going back to the secondary. To me, on paper, the defensive line is, is a stronger group right now than the secondary is. So, I mean, that, that, to me, that's, that's kind of where I, I lean on bringing another guy. I know they brought in a Duran Harmon, who's, who's a veteran, mm-hmm. but still, the safety, the safety, Population makes me a little bit nervous, and the cornerback population makes me nervous with Trayvon Mullen coming off injury. That's Eddie Borsilli here from uh, Sirius XM. Here with us on Wednesdays at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Borsilli and his Raiders podcast, Yards Per Attempt. Then when you go to the free agent list for the secondary, guys like Landon Collins is still out there uh, for free safety. Also, Chris Harris at corner. Other guys like Xavier Rhodes. I mean, you, you talk about allocating your money elsewhere. I would have to think like there's got to be a price somewhere that's affordable for guys like that. And perhaps that's kind of like what spells you in the training camp with having that kind of experience. I like just having a little more experience in those positions. Yeah, and a guy like Landon Collins, look, he had a monster payday from the Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders. He got tons of money to come over from the York Giants, and yeah. the contract didn't pan out. He wasn't the player they kind of paid for. So he gets his payday. So a player like that, to me, if I was in the front office, I'd look at Landon Collins and bring Landon Collins in and say, look, you got the big-time payday for Washington, didn't pan out. We're obviously not going to pay something like that. Come here on a, on a one-year, you know, prove-it type deal, $5 million bucks with incentives. If you reestablish yourself, you could play that into another contract next year for yourself. Because I think the guy's got a lot of talent. Now he's going to play. You know, he's a safety technically, but he's really like a linebacker. He's, he's kind of that hybrid. He plays closer to the line of scrimmage. He's not great in coverage. So, to me, that's a, that's a smart play for Dave Ziegler and company to look at a guy like that. If Patrick Graham feels like he can come back, you know, and be a fit in this defense, if they want to play Jonathan Abram back a little bit, you get a guy like that on a prove-it deal. Like the guys like Chris Harris and Xavier Rhodes, these are veteran guys. They just want to stick around the NFL as long as they can. I think Chris Harris can still cover a little bit, and I think you could use him maybe on the back end. Well, he's, he's a very smart football player. We've seen him in AFC West for years and years and years. So I, I brought it up on the show before. I liken it to, to maybe moving a guy like Chris Harris to play a little center field for you, just sure. to, to be kind of the, the leader on the defense back there and, and play smart football. You don't need to be the fastest guy. You're not bringing him in to cover number one receivers. You're bringing him in to, to, to kind of be that quarterback of the defense. So Chris Harris has some, some value to me, and Landon Collins, too, on, on like a prove-it-type contract. You want to look for guys that have had success in the National Football League, and then you can bring them in, kind of try to strike gold. If they don't pan out, you don't, you're not paying them a lot of money, and you can move on. Uh, a couple questions here for you uh, along those lines. Landon Collins, um, in, in lieu of who, number one. And when we look at those the, the cornerback room, and I and I get it on Trayvon Mullen, uh, how much should we read into the fact that the Raiders haven't done much else at cornerback after going heavy uh, at cornerback, whether it was a trade or, or bringing in guys like Anthony Averett and, and some of the guys that they brought in? Um, how much should we read into that that maybe they feel pretty good about where Trayvon Mullen is and lastly, is some of the uncertainty with cornerback, just because Raider fans haven't seen these guys in Raider uniforms, because if you go back a year or a couple of years, these guys have played pretty well, uh, pretty good football, the, the cornerbacks that they've brought in. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And again, you're gonna rely. I, I think the trade for Rocky Sin kind of you know solidifies the group a little bit. He's not the flashy of guy. The flashy of guys. He had some struggles with the, with the Colts, but I think in in the scheme fit of what the Raiders want to do on defense, I think he comes in right away and, and he, he kind of locks down one side. So I think they feel good about bringing in like Rocky Sin. And again, you got to see what the injury is for Mullen, but. Anthony Everett's got great cover skills. He's a bigger type corner. And then you kind of hope, you know, what you get. I mean, look, we all watched what Nate Hobbs did last year. Nate Hobbs was one of the best cover corners, according to PSF, last year for a time yeah. before it got late, later in the season. So if you look on on paper, and that's this is what this is what kind of, you know, what we're talking about a lot. If you get to training camp and Mullen's coming back and you're easing him back a little bit and you see a little bit of young players, maybe Nate Hobbs establishes himself as that slot guy or maybe he establishes himself as the outside guy. Maybe finally Amik Robertson comes and plays and plays up to the level that they wanted them to. They just signed a guy in Chris Jones, a veteran. If you don't feel good about your your guys, right? If any after a week or two, yeah. then mm-hmm. you go out and you could, you could sign one of these these veteran guys and, and solidify the group. We've seen the Raiders do that. We've seen multiple teams do that. There are a ton of cornerbacks out there, Joe Hayden, guys like that that have played really really successful football over their careers that probably aren't going to get signed until training camp. So if you, if you, if you start out camp. You see these guys out there, they're not doing what you want on defense. You could always go out there and sign a veteran quarterback to kind of stabilize the group. You just hope that, you know, I'm sure the Raiders hope that if Trayvon Mullen, Rock, you know, Rocky Sin, and Nate Hobbs as your three corners, and they can lock it down as a young type group. You know, Rocky Sin is a young football player. He's not an old football player. This yep. guy is still in the first years of his career. So I think that's the hope. And if it doesn't pan out, you go out there, you sign a veteran, and you hope you get, you know, kind of lightning in the bottle, one of those veteran players. Uh, Eddie, when you look at, uh, we talked about red zone percentage here to start the show, and there was a PFF article talking about the elite play callers. Josh McDaniel's not in the top six, but he's in the top ten. What do you think uh, Josh can do for this team in the red zone to make that improvement from where they were as red zone TD percentage last year was 49%, while McDaniel's with the Patriots was 63%. What do you think the uh, McDaniel's could do this time around with these kind of weapons in the red zone inside the twenty? Yeah, Clay. I mean, everybody wants to go and say, like, what, what, what's the magic formula? Why the Patriots been so successful? And you could point right away to the tight end position and say they've had really good tight ends over the years, and they're really multiple at that. And, and I think the Raiders will do that. I think the Raiders have a good, obviously, a good, you know, stable of, of tight ends that can get down the field. But when the Patriots get down to the red zone, guys, they pound the football. They pound like Thank they brought you. in a guy like Brandon, Brandon Bolden. Like they get down to the thing. They don't do any fancy stuff and fades and all this kind of That's stuff. True. Mm-hmm. To get in the end zone, they're not doing anything that's trying to trick the opponent. They're lining up and saying, "Our, our offensive line is going to beat your defensive line, and we're going to run the football." Things that John Gruden preached for years. Hey, if we can't get one yard, we don't deserve. You know, the, the stereotypical hard-headed football coach. But the Patriots did that when they got down to the line of scrimmage. Think about all the Super Bowls when they get down there, and James White's you know plugging in the end zone. Like all those guys over the years for the Patriots. That's why I think the stable of running backs this team has. Uh, you, you laugh at a guy like Brandon Bolden. I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Bolden gets in the end zone five times this year, guys, if he makes his football team. Like, sure. that's just the way the Patriots have operated over the years. And then that's when the play action comes in. So if you, if the threat of the running game is there and the Raiders solidify themselves as a team that's going to run the ball in the red zone, that's when teams try to stop it. That's when you play action. That's when guys are wide open in the back of the end zone with a tight end population. So I, I think right away, the Raiders will, will try to establish themselves, especially when it gets down to the red zone. Because if anybody's, you know, anybody listening here or anybody's watched football, when you get down in that minuscule spot in the red zone, it's the toughest place to operate. And you could be the most talented quarterback in the world or the most talented receiver, but you just don't have that much room. What's the easiest thing? 
turn around, hand the ball off, everybody makes their block, touchdown Raiders. So, I mean, I think it, it, when it comes down to it, I think Josh McDaniels and Co. are going to try to establish themselves as a strong running team in the red zone and then work with the play action. Derek Carr has shown that he could be a great play action quarterback. That opens up some stuff for the tight end. So I think right away the addition of Josh McDaniels helps his team in the red zone. Will, will it make them go up to 60 65%, 70%? Maybe, maybe not. But I think right away on the surface, this team has struggled big time in the red zone because you try to do too much. Don't, yeah. don't try to do too much. Mm-hmm. Line up, give the ball to running back, score a touchdown. It's so funny you should mention that because earlier we were talking about uh, during OTAs and minicamps, uh, they would always start their 11-on-11 period in the red zone <laughs> and probably 10 straight run plays, like literally every day. Um, and yeah. I, I, I've been saying, I don't know if it was a coincidence, but it sure seemed intentional uh, to me, like they were trying to make uh, emphasize the exact thing that you were just talking about because you're right, when the Patriots no, but, get... But, but, yeah, but too, I mean, to cut you off, but like it, it also goes back, and that's another concern from for me, is the offensive line because you need that offensive line. The Patriots never had star offensive line right. for the most part. They always had, like, grinded-out guys that were just nasty down there, and I think they'll try to implement that, too. And again, so maybe with another veteran that comes in, but, you know, for you to run the ball down the red zone, for it to work, you need guys making their blocks. You can't have guys that miss assignments, and I think that's where the veteran group of, of the Raiders' offensive line comes comes in. If, if, if the guy, like, if Denzel Good takes one of the guard spots and it's guys that played football, I think you'll see early on in the season, I think you'll see you, them reap the benefits of being more successful in the red zone. No doubt about it. Last question for me. Um, when you talk about guys like Trayvon Morrig and Nate Hobbs, uh, two young players, uh, ascending players uh, that had really good rookie years, uh, do you think we'll see more of them not just manning their positions but becoming, but being put, put in position uh, to be playmakers as well and take advantage of, of, uh, of their instincts um, and, their, and their talent? I remember we were, we were at training camp last year. We, I think we were visiting with Coach Cruden, and you know he was he was talking about Trayvon Merrick, who had such great natural ability. And and Derek Carr actually mentioned the same thing to us that he's got so much natural ability, but he he, he was thinking a little bit too much early in his rookie year. Like he, he he knew he could jump around, but he maybe he would play a little cautious because he didn't want to get beat deep. So I think the player for me is Trayvon Merrick. Like this has to be the playmaker in the back end for the Raiders. He's going to play that center field spot, which is so important to not give up big plays. But I think you're going to see a more aggressive Trayvon Merrick, a guy that's going to you know jump, jump, jump around and take it back to the house, a guy that's going to be more physical when it comes to the run game. I think he's got all the tools. You know, we talked about it a million times before the draft last year. If the Raiders drafted Trayvon Merrick in the first and Alex Leatherwood in the second, Raider fans would be ecstatic and jumping over the moon because Merrick had that ability. So I think Merrick is a player that – could really ascend this year and make that jump from year one to year two to be the playmaker this team needs. I think he, if he trusts himself, he feels a little bit more you know, comfortable in the defense, I think you'll see a lot more big plays. That's what's kind of been missing from the Raiders' secondary. You've got more turnovers as the pass rush has kind of turned up. But I think Trayvon Merrick has the ability to be a Pro Bowl-type player and a guy that could change games. You know, by by picking balls off and, and making plays late in games when it matters. Hey, before we let you go, Eddie, uh, we've just taken a look at some of the AFC South opponents that are on the Raiders list, and they stand in the Raiders' way. And one of them is that Week Three against the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. You know, do you feel that you know, taking a look at this team right now, and just on the offensive side, that they've become a little one dimensional, especially with the trade of Brown during the NFL draft? How do you think Vrabel's going to start uh, taking this team to the next level? Because you know, quite honestly, the last two years with double-digit wins, they should still continue on that path, or are they taking a step back now without the weapons necessary? 
it's hard, and I, I think Vrabel is a guy that, that you know Josh McDaniels is, is familiar with. Those guys go back a long way. I'm sure, you know, they're, they're friends, so I think they'll know a lot of what they're going to get from each other. To me, when it comes down to Tennessee Titans, like obviously with the injury to Derek Henry last year kind of set them back a little bit. They don't know what they're going to get. I think they think they drafted another AJ Brown and Traylon Burks, yeah. but you can never really replace. You don't know, you know, if it's really going to correlate on the field. If Traylon Burks turns into a really good player, they kind of hit it. To me, it comes down to the quarterback position. Ryan Tannehill resurrected his career in Tennessee. Everybody knows. Everybody remembers a couple years ago when he came to Oakland and absolutely shredded the Raiders in the second half. But he is a guy that is prone to the big-time turnovers. And to me, it's still a quarterback-driven league. They've had a really good defense. You know, Last year, their defense was probably a lot better than in years past. And you got King Henry running the football. So I think... The, the, the key to success for Tennessee is get a lead and then turn Derrick Henry up and kind of pound them. Raiders did a good job a couple years ago with him. I think if you could limit Derrick Henry early in the game and you can limit the big runs, force Ryan Tannehill to make some throws he's not comfortable with, I think he can get some turnovers there. I think Tennessee is one of the tougher teams in the AFC, especially in Tennessee, but it's not a team that you should go in there in fear. It's going to be a tough matchup for sure, especially early in the season. We don't know what Derrick Henry's going to be like you know, after the injury and what kind of plays out. But I think this is a team that the Raiders kind of match up against well. And I think you could be opportunistic against Ryan Tannehill. So I think it will be a, a tough early matchup. They'll probably be one of the teams the Raiders are battling late in the season for one of those wild card spots. But it should be a good matchup early on. Eddie, we love having you on. Thank you again for your analysis and perspective. Let's do it again next week. Sounds good, guys. Always a pleasure. All right. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks, at, Eddie. At Borsilli on Twitter, Yards Per Attempt, his podcast, found everywhere you can find podcasts and doing a great job over at Fight Nation on Sirius XM. Yeah, that's, um, you know, the thing about Sue, real quick, is that, you know, the Raiders weren't, like, uh, flopping all over themselves to go and get James Bradbury just because he had familiarity with Patrick Graham and was out there as a, uh, as a possible guy that's going to get released and you acquire him because of the price tag. You know, and it's not, it's, it, even they had familiarity with a guy like Bradbury, it still wasn't enough because the money isn't, isn't going to be equitable for the return on investment. And these guys really want to make sure that they allocate stuff that's going to get the, uh, the biggest pop. And it may not be more than just one guy. It might have to be two. But, you know, what? they're going to fall in love with uh, whoever kind of fits that bill. But it's not because of name recognition alone. And it goes beyond that for Sue and just like guys like James Bradbury as well. Yeah, I never got the sense that the, uh, that the Raiders were interested um in James Bradbury at the $10 million uh, level. You know, that's just the fact of the matter. Yeah, and, that's right. and, 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 you know, uh, I think I think uh, Raider fans are going to appreciate this as time goes on. Um, you know, how, how this group uh, values players, uh, especially in terms of, uh, you know, the money. They're not going to be throwing money around. Um, you know, they went out and obviously spent a lot of money. But look at who they bought, who they who they brought in. Like Chandler Jones is still a difference maker. Uh, Devontae Adams is still a difference maker. Um, and so when you start getting below those levels, they're going to have an idea of what they feel like the player is worth, and they're not going to budge from that. And as time goes on, uh, that's going to be a good thing. You have to be disciplined in in in, in this uh, in, in this job because you can get yourself in a lot of trouble really early. Uh, by just chasing names and chasing football cards and and uh, and being about that rather than being about what's who who are the best uh, players where do they fit in the financial puzzle because you always have to take that uh, into account um, and and, it, and again it takes discipline to do that it doesn't always make the fans happy uh, but ultimately if you have a conviction about it and a plan in place you stick to the plan uh, I hate 
hate, absolutely hate when people talk about a plan, talk about a plan, talk about a plan, talk about a plan, and then the minute it comes down to having to stick to the plan or not, you go against the plan. Why have a plan <laughs> if you're not going to stick to the plan? Just stick to the plan. It might not work. I'm not saying that every plan is going gonna, is gonna to work. And yes, you have to be flexible from time to time. But as primarily and, and uh, consistently, you stick to the plan and be true to what your plan is, generally speaking, it's going to lead you to good places and, already, and avoid mistakes. You avoid mistakes, but you also, you take a, you take a look at what the Raiders, uh, the, the, the guys are making decisions right now. They've surrounded themselves with like-minded individuals, but also guys that will offer contrarian opinions yeah. because they, uh, they have a wealth of experience from all over the league. And you can see that they stuck, they stuck to the plan with the NFL draft. And free agency, there's no reason to think that they would ever stray away from that kind of philosophy to begin the uh, training camp. And you look at the the free agent list of guys that are out there, it's the same list of guys that were out there a month ago. Exactly. So don't panic. Right. And, and like we talked about yesterday, don't rule out a trade um, uh, where there's a, a specific player in mind uh, at a specific position. Uh, and, and, you know, if you have... Uh, either you're willing to to you know part with some draft picks, or if there's a strength on your team where you have an abundance of, uh, you can dip into that strength to go uh, fill a weakness or, or or strengthen a weakness. So don't rule that out as well. Uh, it's Vinny and Clay here on the morning tailgate. Heidi with the day off. She'll join us again tomorrow. Let's take step aside and take a break because we got some great texts that came in on the Salmon Ash text line six nine one eight seven. Also, Trista Crick will join us uh, from WFAN at nine o'clock. All that and more on Raider Nation Radio. Here on a beautiful and perfect Wednesday. The grill is still sizzling and the drinks are cold. So let's get back to your morning tailgate with Clay Baker on RNR 920 AM. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song he sweeps along. Swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Bridgewater from the gun on third down. Going to fire deep towards Sutton and it's intercepted. Picked off at the 20-yard line. Merrick, the center fielder. Back to the 30, back to the 40, back to the 45, back into... Bronco territory at the 45-yard line. And the rookie, Trayvon Morick from TCU, turns the lights out. And the Orange Crush heads for the exits here in Mile High. What a performance by the Raiders. Probably, obviously, the, the interception just, you know, um, that was a big-time thing for me. Um, but other than that, I'd just say learning the the system, um, and then just playing my first year in the league. You know, that was my dream growing up, um, and that was kind of the highlight of, of my season. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm there, I'm in the game, and I'm able to do what I love. So, Raider Nation Radio coming back. 
with Compass Media, Raiders Radio Network, on the call with a Trayvon Merrigan interception on Bridgewater, and then talking about the favorite part of the year. And as uh, we had uh, had the conversation, Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, uh, with Eddie Borsilli, that what, Trayvon Merrick's natural ability is there, no doubt about it. You could see it coming off the page, coming off the field. But perhaps uh, maybe last year he was a little too cautious because, you know, it's not like he probably didn't want to overthink the position, but he probably felt like, you know, I'm finally here. What do I got to do to maintain it? And a lot of things were running through his mind because it seems as though that there were some missed opportunities there for other interceptions uh, in, in that season. Yeah, um, and it's understandable as a, as a rookie. Um, you know, you're, 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 part of it is learning the playbook, uh, having a command of the playbook and what your responsibilities are. Also, trying to avoid mistakes. Um, you know, when, when, it, when it comes to making interceptions, there's a fine line there sometimes uh, in terms of going for it, not going for it, because if you go and you miss – um, the other guy could be running down the field, you know, 60 yards for a touchdown uh, if, you, if you're a little bit too over-aggressive. So it's just finding that fine line, uh, to me, for, for Trayvon Morrig. I think all of the skills are there. I think the intelligence is there. Um, I think he is a, an ascending player, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier. So I think the future is extremely, and I'm talking about extremely bright uh, for Trayvon Morrig. And, and, you know, when you, when you really look at that draft last year, um, I mean, you start talking about Divine Diablo and Nate Hobbs and and, and Trayvon Morrig. That's three starters that you got uh, out of the draft. A tremendous know? reliance on them too. It's it's amazing. Most teams that have to rely on rookies do not have that kind of production. Well, the Raiders have been part of that uh, equation uh, far too often. And um, you know, I say that you know that you come up with three starters. But it, it wasn't just that you came up with three starters. It came, you came up with three good starters. Now, there was you had to start Nate Hobbs at uh, slot cornerback. There really weren't any other options. You had to start Trayvon Morrig uh, at safety. There really weren't any other options. And then eventually you had to start um, you know, uh, Divine Diablo because Corey Littleton wasn't getting it done. But there's a difference between where the Raiders used to be and have sometimes been in terms of there's really no other option. We got to start the rookie, and the rookie not being much better than the guy that they replaced. In in this case, Trayvon Morrig was a huge upgrade over what the Raiders had at safety previously. Uh, Nate Hobbs, without question, was a huge upgrade over what the Raiders had been running out there at slot cornerback for the last few years. I can't even name how many years it's been uh, to have a player of that caliber. And certainly in Divine Diablo, uh, that's the case now. Offensively, Alex Leatherwood needs to step it up, and if he does, those are four pretty good players that you got. Four, I mean, you know, like let's forget Alex for a second, but you're talking about two really good players right now in Trayvon Morrig and Nate Hobbs, and one I think is going to be really good in in Divine Diablo, and we'll see what they get from from uh, Alex Leatherwood, and then uh, Malcolm Kuntz I think is a player that keep an eye on him as well. So, you know, Mike Mayock. Uh, Caught a lot of grief, and, and and rightfully so, as did John Gruden. He was the ultimate football decision maker here for the Raiders. But they did hit on a few more than a few players uh, over the years in, in, in the drafts that they held. They uh, missed a lot, but they also hit. Oh, yeah. And you want that trend to continue the way they approach this draft as well. Right. Uh, from the text line, 69187, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187. It's from Rocky Mountain Raider Dave in Denver. He says, I watched the last 40 broadcast minutes of the Cincinnati Raiders playoff game. There were so many passes cleanly defended by the Raiders, but Trayvon should have had a pick six that first on that first Bengal touchdown, a game changer missed. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Uh, here's another one from uh, 69187. Uh, we're talking about the red zone scoring as well. This is from LJ from the 702. He says, a name that I have not heard talked about all offseason is Foster Moreau. 
I can see him getting a half dozen touchdowns from the red zone. McDaniels will be able to free, get him freed up for sure. All right, LJ, you know, Foster in his first year was quite a, a red zone target. You know, he got five touchdowns all from the red zone. It was pretty exciting to watch how, you know, he just kind of burst on the scene in 2019 and immediately was paying dividends. And Darren Waller was having a great year too, but Foster was definitely taking a lot of those in the red zone. Yeah, without question. Uh, and going into a big year for him. This is year four for him. Um, he's a free agent at the end of this year. Uh, there's a few people that are in that category. Trayvon, Mull- or Trayvon Mo- um, Mullen is going to be a free agent out of that 2019 draft. So uh, guys have gotten paid from that draft, obviously Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro, uh, but there's some opportunities here for guys like Foster Moreau and, 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 and Trayvon to solidify themselves as Raiders moving forward too. And I think that it starts right now for Foster uh, because I think the, I think the necessary talent is there. Um, now, you know, part of it also is obviously it's the coaching, freeing him up and everything like that, but also Derek Carr kind of looking his way, you know, and, and here's the thing. You got so much talent that, you know, you can't argue against throwing the ball to Devontae Adams, throwing the ball to Darren Waller, throwing the ball to Hunter Renfro. And sometimes something's got to give, and maybe that's Foster Moreau in terms of some of his opportunities. Some of his opportunities is there, and uh, it, he's going to get tested. That's for sure. Uh, in this system, they want a lot of production out of the tight end. Uh, here's another one from uh, Wisco Raider. Hey, Wisco, it's been a while from the six five one. Vinny, did you see anything different from the red zone sessions this year that was different from last year? Because I remember you saying that there was an obvious emphasis last year as well, and there were some. In- interesting packages we were possibly going to see and obviously saw how that ended by the end of the season we didn't see him at all thanks guys go raiders thank you wisco raider for that yeah yeah there was there were a lot of interesting packages on theory but they never really like we never really saw them in game time situations or maybe they just didn't feel like they were comfortable to go into that last year but this year it seems as though that the plan will be considerably uh, pared down and it won't be a lot of like a uh, trickeration and, and gimmick stuff that'll go and kind of convolute this, the works the, the, this year will be different yeah I think that um, you know you'll still have all the gadget plays and things like that the, the Patriots have been known for that as well but I think if you're asking me what I've seen that's different so far um, this year compared to this time last year, uh, I've pointed it out um, You know, here uh, on Raider Nation Radio, some tweets and, and, and writing about it. I really do feel like there was an emphasis to be big, physical, um, with an emphasis on running the ball in those red zone periods. It looked different than it looked last year um, in, in that regard. I mean, to start off your, um, like I said, the 11-on-11 11 11 phase of, of, your, of your practice day, in the red zone, and then to literally back it up by by running the ball ten straight times or so every single day, uh, that told me something. And I really liked the action that I saw on the offensive line. I know that there's a limit to the physicality this time of year, um, but but they were getting after it uh, to the extent that they could. The offensive line was getting after it uh, down there um, in, in the red zone, and so it feels like that's an emphasis, and it feels like that was intentional. Um, now we'll see if it, it translates to the field. It's Raider Nation Radio here on the morning tailgate. 69187 is the Sam and Ash text line. Keep them coming here. Sam and Ash will join us at 945. You can also hit us up on the listener line, the the Realty One Group listener line, 702-365-9200 here on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, I got to tell you about dinner last night, by the way. I told yeah. you about that. Via Brazil. <laughs> oh, you went to the steakhouse. I went the Brazilian to steakhouse. the steakhouse. And oh, my goodness gracious. See? Uh, first of all, Anna Gomes, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Adam Gomes, the chef, 
uh, just tremendous. Uh, but you know, they're over there on Fort Apache uh, in Summerlin, and it's it's definitely it should be uh, a, a go to. Um, whether you're talking about the full Brazilian uh, experience with bringing the all, every type of meat uh, to your table, uh, it was just unbelievable. Uh, but also happy hour. Uh, you know, you've got a great bar over there. Um, they they're, they're really uh, emphasizing uh, their summer loaded empanadas, beef ribs, chicken with dipping sauce, uh, spicy mango, pork with dipping sauce, shrimp, watermelon guava with dipping sauce. That's a that's an empanada, by the way, uh, Clay. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a, a lot watermelon going on there. Meatballs uh, with <laughs> dipping sauce, uh, chili lime um, uh, sauce. Uh, they've got. Every base covered, and uh, the the uh, service was tremendous. Again, uh, Chef Adam Gomes, my uh, just sincerest praise to you. Uh, you knocked it out of the park, and it's something that they do every single day, uh, uh, Clay, over at the Via Brazil Steakhouse uh, in Summerlin. Now back to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker on R and R nine twenty AM. Be part of the show. Text us on the Salmon Ash text line. Text the keyword R and R followed by your message to six nine one eight seven. Here on Raider Nation Radio, Vinny and Clay here on your Wednesday. Heidi would be back. Get her back up here. Here on Raider Nation Radio. We'll do that on tomorrow's show. We get a. Sam and Ash also at 945. Trista Crick from WFAN will join us as well. Uh, what did you think about uh, when you when you see the uh, the news coming out, you know, for you know, in the NFL, when you see just a uh, really, really awful stuff that, uh, you know, Jalen Ferguson uh, passed away today. We don't have any details on it, but, you know, a 26 year old, a guy, you know, was extremely uh, uh, well liked and he was a big part of the Ravens mix on defense, but also uh, made all the OTAs. It was all there. And like uh, today, you know, they're just, uh, they're absolutely, you know, just devastated in, in, in Ravens, in the Ravens camp, just because, uh, you know, this is all coming down just at, at the, at a time where everyone is blindsided by this. It's really, really sad situation for Baltimore. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. And obviously, this this transcends football. Um, he was uh, a, a good young player, a contributing player. That's all uh, kicked to the to the side right now. I mean, obviously, a, a young life was lost. Um, we don't know what the details are, um, you know. But uh, whatever it is, it's it's a tragic loss. And um, you know, I know everybody's heart uh, is is hurting right now because when you're in the NFL, you're part of a it's 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 a family, you know, and and I remember talking to to him um, at the scouting combine his draft year, uh, listening in on his on his uh, press conference, you know, and I think I might have had him in my I was covering the Rams at the time, uh, mock draft to uh, to the Rams uh, sure. at some point. So you know uh, these are these are these are human beings, and um, it's just you know there's nothing you can say. It's just it's a, it's a hurtful hurtful day. It's really sad, and also uh, the news uh, coming out of uh, Washington D.C. This is where um, you know the the commanders owner Daniel Snyder was supposed to testify. He refused to do so. Uh, Roger Goodell is there uh, in front of a uh, uh, oversight committee, and uh, Roger Goodell uh, spoke in front of them, saying, "I have tremendous regard for Beth Wilkinson and her team." That's the woman who came out of the whistleblower against the commanders. Uh, you know, horrible conduct that's going on inside their workplace. We believe we understand what the environment was far too long with the commanders cited dramatic turnaround in short amount of time. Uh, Roger Goodell spoke to the uh, committee, but Daniel Snyder did not. Now that forced uh, House Oversight Chairwoman um, 
uh, Melissa Maloney to issue a subpoena for Daniel Snyder. So now she says Snyder's refusal to testify sends a clear signal that he is more concerned about protecting himself than coming clean to the American public. If the NFL is unwilling to hold Mr. Snyder accountable, I am prepared to do so. So it looks as though that uh, Daniel Snyder will be heading to D.C. to talk after all. <laughs> yeah, I don't, after getting the subpoena, I don't get. Um, I, I, I don't. First of all, I, 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 it really bothers me when people think that they're above the law um, in any situation. Um, but I, but I, I do wonder. I don't know this for a fact, but I do wonder um, if the NFL, uh, if you were to inject some um, truth serum, uh, if they, if they don't, if if they wouldn't, kind of hope that somehow, some way. Um, Congress and all of that uh, can figure out a way to to get rid of this problem. And Daniel Snyder has been a problem. Uh, there's no no doubt about it. Um, you know, I don't know to what it's it's so difficult. Um, you know, being able to uh, uh, as a commissioner because you work for the owners. You know, uh, this is that's how that works. Um, like I don't know how much power um, the commissioner has to oust an owner. We've seen it before, but it's it's painstaking, and you have to. Have an open and shut case, and and uh, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to get to that point, um, and and but you wonder if if secret not secretly, but if on, on some level, uh, Roger Goodell is like, man, I kind of maybe somebody else can take care of this where I can't. Yeah, I think I need a little help, but at the same time, when it when it was told in the reports that Washington did withhold money from the NFL that the league didn't know about. Uh, that's that's almost egregious. That's almost in something where like all the other owners have to start meeting and, and a, doing a consortium, saying, you know what, I don't think Mr. Snyder belongs here anymore. In our club, I mean, when you start taking money out of people's uh, bank account, uh, that doesn't go over very well. So um, you know, we'll see where that story is headed. It seems like uh, it's just one thing after another, um, and and at some point, you know, um, the you, you just wonder. There's I, I look at. Uh, life pretty pretty simply. You're either uh, an asset or a liability, and I think that I think that uh, the the Washington owner has has crossed over from being an asset. I don't know if he was ever truly an asset, but he's certainly falling into that liability category. At he this is point. now, yeah, because he's not. Uh, that's not how this billionaire club acts. They, right. you know, what uh, and and I don't know how many would. But after a while, you just have to say, like, uh, you're the one that's sticking out, and the circle is starting to close right. around you. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. Trista Crick joins us from uh, WFAN in New York. We'll talk uh, Raiders betting. She also works and does a great show with Odyssey with BetMGM. We'll talk about the betting numbers for the Raiders going into this uh, training camp, the season win totals, and a whole lot more here on Raider Nation Radio. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.